Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercy. We are what we are only by your grace. Lord, I'm not worthy to stand here and preach your sacred word. I stand here only because of the grace of the living God. And pray that your grace would rest upon all of us. And we pray for the mighty ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we are meditating on your word, on the ministry of deacons, we pray that you open the eyes of our heart to understand who these deacons are so that uh, we would have biblically qualified deacons in the church and also as members of the church, we would uh, work with them and together we would serve the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we spend more than eight hours, O oh Lord, every day in the workplace to feed our bellies and the families and which is good and required and which is a biblical mandate. Lord, we work so much hard in our homes and families to take care of them. Lord, out of what we are doing, help us also to carve time so that we can love and serve the body of Christ. Because this church is bought by the blood of Christ. This church is the church of the living God. And help us to consider how we can love and serve your body as we are also working hard to earn money and to feed our families. We pray that you help us to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Open the eyes of our heart to understand this ministry and we thank you for the deacons that you have designed in your word who are a great blessing to all of us. We praise you and worship you. Guide us to understand your word. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. You know, in the last sermon, we have seen that uh, deacons are two kinds of deacons. One is that there are deacons who are uh, generally all Christian is a deacon. And also we have seen that there is this office of deacon. And we have also seen that uh, the responsibilities of deacons. Can someone tell what are the responsibilities of deacons? They are relievers for the elders. Administration. Help the poor and needy in the church. And also, not the church only, it is also beyond the church. And also, they are the peacemakers. They promote peace and unity in the church. There are a few more sections that I would like to cover as we go ahead and finish, hopefully, the sermon today. So that we can be ready to affirm the uh, deaconate. Since there is some confusion about this, I would like to clarify how are deacons different from elders? How are deacons different from elders? The first factor that I would like to let you know that deacons are not required to lead or to oversee the church like the elders. Deacons are not the overseers. Deacons are not the elders of the church. For example, if you see that, the responsibility of the oversight of the church is given to the elders and not to the deacons. We see that in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, where Paul has given this commission to the elders of Ephesus, which is the universal application to all the pastors in the world. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Do you see that? The church was obtained by the blood of Christ. And what we need to understand here that, that it was to the elders, the commission was given to oversee, to watch over the flock. Deacons are there to support the elders, 
but not to substitute the elders in caring for the flock of God. Wayne Grudem, systematic theologian, confirms what the scripture says. It is significant that nowhere in the New Testament do deacons have ruling authority over the church as the elders do. Let me repeat once again. It is significant that nowhere in the New Testament do deacons have ruling authority over the church as the elders do. And one other example that we also seen is that when there was a church crisis that people faced and there was the Jerusalem council, one of the great councils that we see in the New Testament was the Jerusalem council. Now, what happened in the Jerusalem council? You see that in Acts chapter 15 verse 6 that the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider the matter. The deacons are not there. It was the apostles and elders because they have the power to make decisions in the church and also they oversee the church and it is they who gather together to consider the matter. And of course the church was also supporting them in this area. And also the Bible doesn't say that deacons are accountable to the souls. Deacons are accountable to God for the souls of the church. That's not what the Bible says. We see that in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders, elders, and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will give account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. It says that they are accountable to God for the souls of the flock. And deacons are not responsible for that. You know, one of the interesting things that we find in the qualifications of elders and deacons is that both the elders and deacons should manage their household well if they should be biblically qualified to become elders and deacons. But you know, one thing is missing in what they were telling. You know, what is that? Let me read this for you so that you can understand. 1 Timothy 3, 4, this is what is said about the elders. He must, the prospective elders must, Manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Now when it comes to elders, it says that you need to manage your own children well. If you cannot instruct and discipline your own children, how can you manage the church? You know, I often tell, um, uh, sometimes I, I tell in different places and I spoke to my sons also some time ago I told them that if you do anything that would bring disgrace to God and to the church that would be the last day of my ministry I told them and they know very well that I would resign from being an elder of this church my ministry is dependent on my sons because their behavior plays a vital role for the elders to function and I was so glad, you know, one day my son Joe was telling, Papa, I'm resisting some things that I shouldn't be doing for your sake so that you would not be disqualified from being an elder. And I'm very careful about how I live and make choices because I don't want to bring disgrace to your ministry. And I look at my sons, both the sons, and I, where is my other son? Both the sons, and I tell, thank you so much for being so well-behaved children. Yes, they are depraved. We have the problems. They are not perfect. But I see that they are one of the best children I have ever seen in my life. They are very decent, very dignified. And I praise God for them. Because of them, I could able to do this ministry. And I give glory to God for their lives. And, um, but when it comes to deacons, you see what it says. 
1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. It says here that, Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. That's it. It doesn't say that, how can you care for God's church if you cannot manage your own family well, own children well? Why? Because they are not elders and leaders of the church. I want to give you this clarity. And second thing is that deacons are not required to give authoritative teaching like the elders. If you see the qualifications of elders, in 1 Timothy 3, 2, it says that an elder to be qualified should be able to teach. But if you, and also we see that in Titus 1.9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. But when it comes to deacons, if you see the qualifications of deacons in 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13, teaching is not mentioned as a qualification to become a deacon. So, dear Carson affirms what the scripture says, a very good New Testament professor. He says that deacons were responsible to serve the church in a variety of subsidiary roles, but enjoyed no church-recognized teaching authority akin to that of elders. I, it's very interesting that they enjoyed, he says that. They didn't have the burden to prepare sermons. They didn't have the burden to really teach as it is a very strenuous task. God has paid them and give them other responsibilities. And the third factor that we also see is that deacons are not required to receive financial support like some elders who labor in preaching and teaching. We see that in 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 18, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So the Bible, everywhere it speaks about support, it speaks only in the context of laborious elders, but not in the context of deacons. And I really... I'm, 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 I mean, uh, all the, you know, we need to really in the church appreciate two kinds of people. You know, one is the bivocational elders. Because the Bible doesn't say that all elders should be financially supported, which is not practically possible also. Because there is a monovocational eldership and also bivocational eldership. And bivocational people, elders, they have to work in the marketplace, earn their living, take care of their families, and give themselves at the same time to oversee the church. Don't you think that it is very difficult? We need to really appreciate Shankar for being a bivocational elder in the church, working hard in the hospital, taking care of his family, and preaching and teaching and counseling and pouring his life to limited extent, not to the extent of a full-time person, but it is still a great sacrifice to love and serve the church while he could enjoy other things. He could make a lot of money if he wants to. He could spend more time, extra time with his family if he wants to. But he has given a part of his life to be a blessing to the body of Christ. So we are very grateful for bivocational elders. And we should be grateful for all the deacons. Because they don't receive financial support. Yet they have to work in their companies or factories or whatever areas they are working in. Take care of their families. Provide for their families. At the same time, carve time from their limited life and schedule that they have in order to come and arrange things and serve the body of Christ. So I believe that the reward will be great in the kingdom of heaven. So we praise God for these wonderful bivocational elders 
and also at the same time all deacons who serve without any payment. It doesn't mean that deacons should not receive any help. They can receive the church if they have any financial crisis and if the church is able to do that, they can do that. But Bible doesn't put it as a requirement. Now let's go to the qualifications of deacons quickly and see what the Bible says about the qualifications of deacons. Uh, I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8 to 13. There are nine marks. I don't know why nine marks often come. But there are nine marks of a deacon if he wants to be a deacon. Right? We see in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8 to 13. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And as I told you, I think I don't know whether I told you, we see that the qualifications of deacons are mentioned only in 1 Timothy. We don't see that these are mentioned in Titus as we see the qualifications of elders mentioned in both the epistles, 1 Timothy and also Titus. So let us quickly, briefly understand what is the qualifications of Deacons. We see that the very first thing Paul mentions in this word is that deacons must be dignified. Deacons must be dignified. What does it mean dignified? Which means it's not that they should look dignified, dress well and comb well. That is not what it means. What it means is that they must have respectable reputation in the church. They must have respectable reputation in the church my dear brothers and sisters reputation is very important bible says that a good name is better than silver and gold or anything a good name a good reputation and we should all maintain a good reputation a bad reputation is extinct but at the same time we should be careful that our reputation corresponds with our character because character is who we are and reputation is what people think about us. Sometimes our reputation is greater than our character, which is a contradiction and we should be very careful about that. So the Bible says that the deacons must be having reputable respect, honored and respected by people in the church. You know why? You know why it is important? It's important that these deacons be in good relationship with every person and people think about them well because they work in close relationship with the members of the church. And sometimes they delegate responsibilities to the members of the church. If the church doesn't respect them, they won't submit to their delegation and to their responsibilities that they exercise in the body of Christ. The second thing it says that deacons must not be double-tongued. Deacons must not be double-tongued. Don't take it literally. Everyone has one tongue. But uh, uh, what it means is that there are a few things that we need to understand. Again, you know, deacons as they're very closely with the members of the church, they observe a lot of things. How some people are very submissive, how some people are very active, some people are passive, all these things that we see that. So deacons must be careful of double term because they are the promoters of peace and unity as I told you last time, right? And they should not say one thing and mean another thing. 
They should not say, oh, brother, you are so nice. And then in the heart, you know, this guy is a nut. You know, that's not good. Be sincere. At the same time, that doesn't mean that you talk on the face, you are a nut. No, that doesn't mean that. But you are very careful. You don't say one thing to the person and mean another thing. You are truthful in whatever you say. And also it means that you are confidential. Right? You are not a parrot that goes to one person to another person and break the confidential information that has been given to you. Elders and deacons, sometimes we talk about some members. You know, this person, we need to see how we can do that. And if deacons take out the conversation that happens between elders and deacons and go and tell the other members of the church, you know, this is what the elders are speaking about you when we were talking about how to help this person. That disrupts the church. And deacons should not be doing that. They should be known for confidentiality. Loose tongue people cannot become deacons in the church, right? Gossip is something that is very dangerous, which is the sign of a double tongue, which they need to avoid. You know, as I was reading, uh, I love what Kent Hughes says when it comes about flattery and gossip. I think I posted in one of my groups. It says, he says that flattery is saying to someone's face what you wouldn't say behind their back. That is what flattery is. You say that, oh, highly honored, most high. You speak all these words, but you don't say at the back. And gossip is saying behind someone's back what you wouldn't say to their face. Wow, very good observation. You speak behind, but you cannot speak on the face. That's why I often say that if you don't have the guts to speak before, the person don't speak behind their butt. Be careful. What you speak before, I often examine myself. Whatever I say to people, I tell them sometimes, whatever I'm telling you, whatever I said at the back, I'm also speaking in the front of their face. If I cannot say that, I have no business to talk behind their back. And also the third one, <clears throat> the scripture says that deacons must not be addicted to much wine. The grammar is very important. <clears throat> okay? They should not be addicted to much wine. Why? Because addiction to wine dulls your mind, dulls your thinking and reasoning. So deacons should be sober-minded and you should understand that in the early church, including the Lord Jesus and the disciples, drinking wine was a common culture. But they had to do that in moderation, right? But uh, scripture doesn't say anything about not drinking wine. It says that they should not be addicted to wine. And I love what John Piper says in caution of this because we should not impose culture on the commandment of the Bible. Listen carefully. You and I have no right to impose culture on the commandment on the Bible. John Piper says that by imposing a restriction which the New Testament never imposes, this requirement in principle involved us in legalism. What he says is that by imposing a principle which the scripture never prescribes, you are inventing legalism. And we should be very careful of that. It doesn't mean that shall we go and drink, that deacon drinks in moderation. No, because in Romans 14.21 it also says that, listen carefully what it says, although in principle it is okay, but the Bible says that in practice it is not good. Why? It is not good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So in our culture, drinking is a stumbling block and we should avoid drinking because it is a stumbling block. But in principle, moderation is okay. And deacons should not be addicted to much wine. And even if they drink moderation, if they are causing stumbling block to the members of the church, then they are disqualified. Fourth one. Fourth, we see that deacons must not be greedy for dishonest gain. 
Deacons must not be greedy for dishonest gain. One of the reasons may be because deacons handle money. Lots of money goes through their hands and love of money distorts their conduct in the way they handle money. A greedy person is disqualified to become a deacon. Now what does it mean? It means that we should examine, all of us should see that does it return the leftover money? Even if it is 5 rupees. If a person doesn't return the money, even 5 rupees, he shows that there is a problem with his financial integrity. They should be careful of every, every penny and not mishandle the money. And uh, it also shows that does he misuse church's money, use it for personal gain? And also does he maintain accounts properly? Even though he may be right, but if he doesn't maintain accounts properly, that brings the church in disreputation and he is not qualified for that. Another thing is very important is that, does he use the church money for personal use and later adjust it? That's one of the you know, general things a lot of people do. You know, when I was leading a Telugu church, there was a deacon in the church that he did that. Nice man he was, very good man, faithful person he was, but he was using the church money and later was adjusting and we didn't know about it. And when we, came no, when we came to know about it, we lovingly, gently fired him. Saying that, what you are doing is inappropriate. And later I had to give him money actually to clear his debts and help him. But at the same time when it came to discipline, we had to strictly deal with him. And the fifth one it says that, deacons must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Now what does it mean? Deacons must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. It means two things. One is that they must be sound in their understanding of biblical gospel. Because it says mystery of the faith is nothing but the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they should have a strong grip on the gospel. Every Christian should have. But a deacon should have even much more. It is not just that he should have a strong grip over the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that with a clear conscience. Now what does it mean? With a clear conscience means his behavior is inconsistent with his trust in the gospel. To use other words, walking worthy of the gospel. You know, as the gospel has saved you, live according to the worthy of the gospel. And let your, consist, let your behavior, let your manner of life be consistent with the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also we see that the sixth qualification is that deacons must be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. What does it mean? Don't hastily appoint deacons in the church. Which can, which can jeopardize the healthy atmosphere of the church. They must be tested first. Tested in what? Whatever we are speaking. And if you observe, we propose, right, the men and the sisters, if you find any double-tongued person, come and talk to us with an evidence. If you find that these people are not financially faithful, come and talk to us. Because your affirmation is very important. Your testing is very important. What all we are talking about is what testing is. You test them according to the qualifications mentioned in this 1 Timothy 3, that's how we test them and we appoint them. And if they don't meet that testing and pass the testing, they cannot be qualified to become a deacon. Okay, and one of the things is also very important when it, when it speaks about testing is that we need to look whether they are burdened to serve the church. That's a very important quality in the testing. Do they voluntarily come up and say that, hey, I want to help you, brother? Voluntarily, without anyone telling you. And I see that 
all the brothers that we proposed are excellent in the way that they are proactive coming forward the reason why we chose these two sisters and brothers are because when we are battling who are really fitting for this task these people came up apart from the people who were experienced in the past and some of you are not approached because you don't show yourself faithful in your commitment and love and service to the church you need to understand that did anyone approach you for decret you know why although you may be a member of this church for many years why is it that some people don't why we didn't approach you because you are passive or maybe not so much active as the bible prescribes people i think people should be coming to and ask you that you know would you be able to take this responsibility would you be able to do that that's a great testimony that speaks about how committed you are to the church or else these people cannot be qualified the seventh one is that their wives likewise must be dignified not slanderers but sober minded faithful in all things it is also important i will let you know why uh, it speaks about wives and not about uh, why wives are mentioned in okay when it comes to the next section i will clarify that but, but for now just take it that deacons wives must be dignified which means their wives also should have a reputable testimony in the church we were not very serious but this time we are very serious about because we are progressing every time about how we are functioning as a church we we should also be careful about whether wives and look at, look at this carefully brothers and sisters when you affirm this question will be there if their wives don't have a respectable reputation in the church please don't affirm them although their husbands may be good but if their wives are not they still are disqualified their wives should should be dignified also that means that the burden falls on the sisters also sisters you need to be careful how you conduct yourself because your husband's ministry is dependent on you respectable and uh, not slanderers same thing double tongue and gossip sober minded not addicted to much wine sobriety stable of mind and uh, not very unstable in the way they think and behave which disqualifies and also faithful in all things what does it mean faithful in all things it means that they are trustworthy people trustworthy wonderful quality right and the eighth one we see that deacons must be the husband of one wife they should be the husband of one wife it means two things brothers and sisters it means two things husband of one wife means it doesn't just speak about monogamous relationship and many people think that one wife means they think about monogamous relationship not having more than one wife in the early church in the first century this wasn't a problem polygamy was not a problem like we see in the hindu culture later or even at that time but what does it mean here it essentially means that he should be a one woman man he should be sold out and only to that one woman and not to any other women now what does it mean we should see that is he a person who is lustful towards other women you know all men struggle with lust in fact someone says that if you don't struggle with lust you need to examine whether you are a man so lust is common but at the same time lust should not be entertained entertainment of lust is different struggle with lust is different all of us struggle with lust but is he entertaining those secret thoughts about other women and develops these emotional and physical affairs with other women in the church and it also means that is he flirtatious or loose in his speech 
Those men should be careful about how they talk with the opposite sex. If they are flirtatious, if they are losing their speech, losing the physical move with the opposite sex, it raises concerns whether this man is really a one-woman man. And uh, it is also important, does he unnecessarily chat with the opposite sex? Does he unnecessarily chat with the opposite sex? Now, here is a caution that I would like to give you, brothers and sisters. We are a family of God. We are accepting people. We are doing our best to examine people before we take them. But sisters, listen to this carefully. If you find any brother in the church moving towards you in an inappropriate way, okay, moving towards you in an inappropriate way, through chatting unnecessarily, you know, you know that uh, normal chatting is, hey sister, how are you? Praying for you, that's fine. But too much of the chat where it is going somewhere, please inform elders. We make sure that we straighten them up. Are you understanding? Don't ignore that. And if any one of the elders also do that, trying to flirt through chatting, trying to flirt through women, which is possible. Church is not a church. We are not living in heaven. How many pastors do we see falling in adultery today? And deacons are falling in adultery today. So it's not a surprise if pastors and elders or deacons do that. So you people should be very careful. You should not think that if you bring this out, it will become a problem. It should be a problem. Because that person is causing a problem. Oh, this may disturb the church. It will disturb the church. And that's the reason I tell you men here, be careful. Treat sisters with dignity, purity, and not lust them and entertain that lust for them. And at the same time, sisters, please to help us in protecting the purity of the church. Any man, any brother, inappropriately behaving with you, chatting with you, bring it up. So that we can make sure that we guard the purity of the church. That includes to any person. And then in the ninth mark, the last one that we see that, deacons must manage their children and their own households well. What does it mean? He should be a good spiritual leader. He should be a good spiritual leader at home. He must train his children to behave appropriately. He must spend time with his children, instruct them to walk in obedience to the ways of God. He should be very good in the way that he disciplines his children, not arrogantly, not legalistically, but as the Bible commands to discipline, instruct and lead children and his family in the ways of the living God. Benjamin Merkel clarifies here that this scripture doesn't point out to the state of the children which means the, whether they are believers or not it, it points out to the behavior of the children whether they are decent in their behavior okay it doesn't mean that they should be believers the children but they should have proper behavior which means that it also shows how you manage your children in the church how you take care of your children how you do that that's very very good you know one man that I really appreciate in, in the entire church there are a lot of brothers who are there very good but, but one man that I see, the way he supports his wife in taking care of his children is Cyril. Have you observed that? The way he always supports, taking care. He, no, he wants his wife also to, sometimes he tell, Anna, I'm sorry I didn't listen to the message because I was outside. I want my wife to listen and be nourished by the word of God. So I was taking care of the children. Men, you should be feeling responsible so that thinking about how your wives are nourished. How your wives are nourished through personal devotions. Do you ask your wives? Do you see that your wives are really spending time in prayer and personal devotions? Do you make sure that your wives attend the church meetings regularly? Because you don't want her to be malnourished. 
taking care of her, protecting her, guarding her. Do you see that she is active in the sister's fellowship because she needs some encouragement also. Men should be responsible for them. And I was taking this biblical church leadership. Some of the brethren were there. And uh, as we were having a wonderful time, you know, there are 25 students. Two, two, two of them were removed because they were not very regular. But 23 students from different parts of the world. And I'm telling you that, that every Saturday from 7 to 9 p.m., it's a wonderful encouragement that we all are having together. And yesterday, when we were having this class, I was telling and pointing out to the brothers that Alexander Crotes, Alexander Strokes quote, that the biggest tragedy in the churches today is that men are spiritually lazy. Because we are talking about biblical manhood. Men are spiritually lazy. And we should be diligent. And people who are not good spiritual leaders... They cannot be deacons in the church. And one thing that I would like to tell you before we go further is that if you see all the qualifications, what are the qualifications? What are the qualifications? Dignifying, not double tongue, not much wine, not love of money, right? And manage your children well, right? Hold strong gospel and all. If you see all these things, do you know that that is how a Christian should live? Every qualification speaks about, in other scriptures, this is how a Christian should be living. So what does it mean? A good, faithful, because not every Christian lives according to the standards of a Christian. But those who live are qualified to become a deacon. Right? Now let's go to the next section and see what are the, well, can women be deacons in the church? Now this is a very controversial thing and I had to battle a lot with this. And please carefully follow me. Can women be deacons in the church? Now listen carefully. If this was in 19th century, no woman would be offended. Or no woman would have any concern about that. In fact, if positive was encouraged about women's leadership and teaching, sisters would have objected and tell that, what are you doing here? Don't you abide by the standard of the word of God? This was universal all over the world. But you see the arrogance of many women today. When you speak from the word of God of 21st century, uh, you know, recently I was reading a quote by a woman who says that, the modern feministic women are so strong in their arrogance that you speak about biblical womanhood, they will be offended. And this is said by a sister here. Because of the feministic movement and the arrogance that women have cultivated today. And I think that is not good. All men and women are created in the image of God. They are equal in dignity and value. But God has given different responsibilities. Now, let us see what the Bible says, can women become deacons, okay? I, have, uh, I will present for argument and against argument, and I will tell you what is my view, okay? The first thing that we see here is that 1 Timothy 3.11, the translation is very interesting in 3.11 that, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Okay, their wives. NASB translates, or even if you see NIV, Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. If you read carefully, you will have a problem. If you don't read carefully, you will enjoy reading this. Because it doesn't make any sense to you. Why is it that ESV translates their wives and NASB translates women? It's very interesting. Because one thing that I should tell you is that there is no separate word in Greek for woman and wife. If you want to speak to wife, gune is a word or gune cause is a word. Or if you speak to, you know, wives or uh, women generally, same Greek word. So how do you know whether it is wives or women? It depends on the context. 
Okay? Now, for women deacons, this is what their argument is. Okay? The pronoun there is not mentioned in the Greek. Now, ESV translates their wives. But if you look at the Greek, there is no there in Greek. Is ESV doing any injustice? No, 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 don't think that. There are many words like that the translators have added for people to understand the grammar well and also the context well. So ESV has not done anything wrong. But they have to do that. And many words were added like this. Pronounce there, him and he. When the uh, Greek it is not there. Because it doesn't make sense if you translate literally. So you need to add some words in order for you to understand. So there is not there. Therefore it doesn't speak about wives. Is the argument for women deacons. And the third, second thing is that. Wives of elders qualifications is not mentioned. When wives of elders qualification is not mentioned. Okay. Wives of elders Qualifications are not mentioned. Why is it that, uh, uh, why do you think that this is speaking about deaconess wives? Okay, and the third thing is that, there are, I'm telling you the strong arguments. One is there is not mentioned, wives of elders qualification are not mentioned. And the third is that, church history testifies to, for women being deacons in the history of the church. There was no woman pastor in the history of the church. Until 19th or there was one woman who came in the 16th century that was the first woman and that was a heretical group that came out. But until 19th century, we generally see that there was no woman pastor, no woman public teacher. No woman. It was common. People understood that. But there were women deacons. Who testifies this? Clement of Alexandria in the 3rd century testifies this. Origin of Alexandria in the 3rd century testifies John Chrysostom in the 4th century testifies. John Calvin in the 16th century testifies. And Charles Spurgeon in the 19th century testifies that they were women deacons. But one thing we need to understand that church history is not the reason why we practice things. Until and unless the church history supports what the Bible says. Church history is not the authority. The Bible alone is the authority is what we need to understand. This is for women deacons. Against women deacons. Okay. Now listen carefully. Where do you see the prototype of deacons in the Bible? Acts chapter 6 is where you see the prototype of deacons. And that's where actually we glean and derive a lot of responsibilities of deacons and all. Because uh, the responsibilities are not clearly mentioned. So do we see men there or women there? Deacons. All the seven persons were men. Not a single woman. Therefore, women... Cannot be deacons is the argument against women deacons. And, uh, 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 and also uh, the, the against women deacons argue that and, uh, and the reason is very true because diaconal work comes carries some authority. Deacons carry some authority. Although the authority is not equal to the elders but it carries some authority. Alexander Strock is one person who is against women's being deacons. Okay. Now we need to understand that for women deacons, against women deacons, all of them don't believe in egalitarian view where women can become pastors and they can teach men. Nobody believes that whether for or against. The only concern debate is on whether women can become deacons or not become deacons. And they all believe that. Women are created in the image of God. They are equal in value and dignity, but they are only talking about the responsibility. So Alexander Strock says that as church office holders and assistants to the elders, deacons exercise authority and supervision within the congregation as delegated representatives of the elders. So they have certain authority because when elders say something, they carry with the authority of the elders and they instruct the men and the women in the church to follow that. So when they carry some authority 
I think, as the scripture says, that women should not exercise authority over men in the church, but a lot of women exercise authority at home, which is a sad thing. Even egalitarian pastor says that you, I know you, you, your women are hypocrites. Honestly, he said that. In the church, they are silent. At home, they are violent. In the church, they don't exercise authority. They rule over their husbands at home. And I tell you, sisters, you are not a healthy complementarian if you are such a woman. You need to repent. But the good thing is, there is repentance in the gospel. You can change. And God can forgive you and give you a new beginning. That's the hope that we have. But don't entertain that tendency. Be either a complementarian biblically or against it. But don't be double-minded, a hypocrite, which is not what the Bible speaks about. Okay, so that is the second thing. And the third argument is, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, honestly, I'm convinced of this. And in what context I still believe women can be deacons, I'll also explain. But I tried everything possible. This is a strong, strong argument. You open the Bibles carefully, okay? And you see this. 1 Timothy chapter 3 is speaking about the, you know, the, the uh, uh, qualifications of deacons. And uh, if you see in verse 11, okay, the qualification starts from 8, right? And let us follow the logic carefully here. And 3.11 speaks about deacons' wives, okay, 3.11, in the middle, not about deaconesses, because they say that verses 8 to 10 speaks about deacons' qualifications. Verses 8 to 10 speaks about deacons' qualifications. 12 speaks about deacons' qualifications, how do you think that if Paul could have finished this deacon's qualifications and then mentions about wives or women, it makes sense that he is speaking about deaconesses. But in the middle of it, why is he speaking about some other persons? Deacon's qualifications, again come back to the deacon's qualifications. I'm telling you, I was beating my head, studying, studying, studying on that. I couldn't find a single convincing argument. Even MacArthur believes and John Piper believes, you know, some, some people, you know, although you think that, you know, I'm a fan of MacArthur, John Piper, Wayne Goodham, I strongly disagree with them in certain areas because they are not the authority. Now listen carefully. No Bible scholar is the authority unless they convince, give reasons according to the word of God. So I disagree on some issues with Grudem and Piper and MacArthur. Although I'm not worthy to stand before them because they are great men of God, great biblical men, great teachers of the word today, but still they don't convince me from the word. So I have found it, I haven't found a single convincing argument. Why is it that Paul is speaking about some other group deaconesses in the middle of the deacon's qualifications? Which only convinces that it speaks about deacon's wives. And that's why ESV boldly translated their wives. Because it goes in line with the context. If you see, did Paul did that anywhere? Nowhere he did that like this. That's not the style of Paul's writing at all. No one. So why is it, now the question is that, why is it that deacon's wife's qualifications are mentioned, not the elder's qualifications are mentioned? Now this is the reason for that. In his commentary on the pastoral epistles, George Knight contends that the women referred to in verse 11 are the deacon's wives who officially assist their deacon husbands with the care of the church widows and other needy women. Alexander Strock says that in the case of the elders' wives, assisting their husbands in their primary duties of teaching the word would be prohibited. In the case of the elders' wife, because elders' responsibility is to preach and teach. How can women do that? They will not do that because they will not be teaching men. How will they rule over the church, which means oversee the church? Sisters will not be doing that. So 
That's the reason the qualifications are not mentioned. But deacons are very much involved in the administration, in the taking care of the poor and needy, and so much. Therefore, Paul did not list the qualifications for elders' wife, but for deacons' wives. So my view. You want to listen to my view? And my view is not the... My view is not the high view, okay? I'm a guy who struggles. I, I don't get easily convinced with anything. I need a lot of evidence before I stand for them. So I struggle and struggle. Now, this is my view, and this is what we follow as a, also in the church here. The scripture does not forbid women to become deacons, which is a weak argument, by the way. Silence is never the authority to practice because we believe in regulative principle, not in normative principle. And if you want to find out what is that, meet me later. Okay? And if you want to, if you think that you pretend that you understand, that's fine. <laughs> 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 12 says that, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. So clearly it is forbidden for a woman not to take elderly authority, which is to teach and exercise authority. You know, it was a very, yesterday I was telling to, uh, in the class that it was a very difficult for me to transform because when I was born again, my first pastor was a woman. My pastor was a woman when I was born again, the church that I attended in KPHB. And the Bible college where I studied my bachelor's, the principal was a woman. I grew up among women. And I was fighting against every complementarian view because... The culture had a greater influence. My wife was teaching once upon a time in the church. Can you believe that? In the Telugu church, Shalnaka was teaching in the church. And Shal Mana, uh, my wife was teaching. Two men and women in the gathering like this. Main message I'm talking about. And we were all egalitarians. But you know what changes? The authority of the scripture. Authority of the scripture. And Romans 6 to, uh, 16, 1-2 says that, I commend you to our sister Phoebe. A servant, deacon of the church at Shankria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. You know, it is debatable whether uh, Phoebe here is an official deacon or a general helper in the church. It is a lot of debate goes on on that. If you study well, you will understand that. But I believe that she was really a very key deacon in the church, serving the church and being a great blessing to many people in the church. Phoebe, wow, what a great uh, blessing she was to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my conclusion is that Bible doesn't forbid women to become deacons. Okay, and also that Phoebe was a deacon. Although 1 Timothy 3 doesn't speak about the qualifications of deaconess. I'm convinced that they can become deacons but with a caution here. Now considering, now listen carefully my conclusion. Considering that diaconal work carries some authority in the church, representing the elders' delegation, it is good that women can be deaconesses for women's ministry rather than for the entire church. Let me repeat once again. Considering that diaconal work carries some authority in the church, representing the elders' delegation, it is good that women can be deaconess for women's ministry rather than for the entire church. So you know very well in the Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship, all deaconesses are women's coordinators. They don't get into the entire church because it's a very difficult task also, by the way. Very, very difficult task to handle other things. So finally, finally I come to the section. So please forgive me for taking some 10 minutes extra. But let me conclude this with this word. 
Okay, appointment of deacons finally. Now listen carefully. Appointment of deacons. Who will appoint deacons in the church? Now, this is one thing that I would like to tell you. It will be a very shock of, to many of you because many of you are coming from churches where you have uh, 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 you know, no proper understanding of what the Greek word ecclesia means. All of you know that, right? The Greek word for church is ecclesia. Now, ecclesia is not just a gathered assembly for spiritual activities. Listen carefully. It is not just a gathered assembly for spiritual activities, but also governing body making major decisions. In the Greek, the word ecclesia is not just a gathering of people, which is true. But it is also a governing body making major decisions. That's the reason we believe in elders-led congregationalism. All major decisions are made by the church, not just by the elders alone. Okay, for example, I will show you some scriptures both in the secular and also in the biblical context. For example, you see in Matthew 18, 17, where Jesus speaks about, even if one person is lost, he will run after the 90. 99 he will leave, one person he will run after. But after these people come to the gathering, but if they don't listen to the church, you see what it says in Matthew 18, 17. If you refuse to listen to them, Tell it to the church. Go and speak personally. It doesn't listen. Take two or three people. doesn't listen. Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, Ecclesia, you know what it says? Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Which means he is not a Christian anymore. If the church confronts you and if you refuse to listen, Jesus gives the authority to the church. Listen to this carefully. Jesus gives the authority to the church to declare to that person, you are not a Christian. That's the authority God has given to the church. 1 Corinthians 5.12, it says that, For what I have to do with judging outsiders, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Inside the ecclesia. The church in Greek is ecclesia. You need to judge ecclesia. The governing body you are. You cannot just ignore sin prevailing. Now what about the secular example? You see the secular example in the Greek gathering of the Ecclesia. In the Greek gathering, Ecclesia also is used for the secular gathering. We see that in Acts 19. In Acts 19.39 where Paul was in trouble, the whole assembly gathered together to persecute him. You see what it says. In 19.39, the scripture says that the town clerk, he said this to the Secular gathering who came together in order to persecute Paul. You know what he says? But if you seek anything further, he says, don't make noise, don't make any ruckus here. You, uh, you just go back, we will take care of it. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular ecclesia. There will be a governing regular body, there we will be settling it. Today, if you see in the churches today, they have no idea what the church is. They just come, warm the chairs and go. They don't have any responsibility in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason we tell that. Membership should be affirmed. If anyone says that, you know, valid reason from the Bible that this person cannot be a member of the church because he is not born again, we have to submit to that. Elders cannot say that. No, 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 we go against it and we do that. No, we have to respect elders-led congregationalism. The church has the authority. Now, this is what the, you know, the, the, the Bible scholar J.C. Lambert says in International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Now, listen what he says. Throughout the Greek world and right down to New Testament times, Ecclesia was a designation of the regular assembly of the whole body of citizens 
in a free city state called out by the herald for the discussion and decision of public business throughout the greek world ecclesia means that they gather together for the discussion and decision of public business that's a governing body it's not just a gathering and gone and that's the reason you see in acts 6 now come to me to how deacons are appointed deacons are appointed by the church you see that in acts 6 1 to 6 you see follow what it says it says that now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number a complaint by the hellenists arose against the hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution and the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of god to serve tables that is deacon tables now listen what the apostle said therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men did the apostles choose deacons in the church no they told to the church brothers also applies to sisters adelphoi therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of the holy spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word now you see what it says and what they said the apostles said please the whole gathering the whole church and they chose the congregation chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the holy spirit and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas a proselyte of Antioch these they said before the apostles and they prayed and they laid their hands on them now what is the conclusion here the conclusion is that deacons must be recognized based on biblical qualifications the second is that deacons must be appointed by the church elders propose by taking recommendations and they propose to the church and the church must approve them and deacons must be formally appointed in the church because there are certain qualifications for them which speaks about deacons as an office so we recognize the biblically qualified men and we propose to the church and the church affirms them and then finally they are officially appointed to serve the body of the lord jesus christ generally for elders we look for more than 80% of affirmation by the church 80% for deacons more than 50% would be sufficient for them to become deacons of the church and i'm telling you brothers and sisters if you are not a healthy member of ecclesia evangelical fellowship you cannot meaningfully affirm the deacons of the church because you don't know them well you don't know them well and you will face the challenge as you seek their affirmation but don't do it out of personal grudge if you don't like the person any person it should that is very bad thing to do that whatever you do you should do it based on biblical qualifications not based on your biased personal you know prejudices which you should be very careful about shall we all stand up and pray shall we all stand up and pray <clears throat> heavenly father at this time we bow before your throne of grace and we thank you for the ministry of deacons in the body of the lord jesus christ thank you for teaching us clearly about uh, who the deacons are and their responsibilities their qualifications and how they are different from elders and also about uh, can women be deacons and how uh, deacons should be appointed in the church help us all a lot to ponder over these truths and since we are a governing body we cannot just sit simply and care for nothing what's happening in the church but let's be active members and we pray that the lord you lead the whole church by the holy spirit 
to affirm your biblically appointed men and women to become deacons and deaconesses of Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship. So we thank you for their lives and we commit the church to your sovereign guidance to appoint them for your glory. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com you may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m. Grace and peace be to you.